Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Grace Millsap with us. She is a 500-hour yoga teacher, an Ayurvedic wellness counselor, a lover of life, science geek, and passionate advocate for all forms of health, for all forms of people. So welcome to the show, Grace. Hi, Andrea. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I would love to know a little bit um, about your background. So how you kind of first got interested in yoga. We'll start there. Yeah, um, I was a cheerleader and a gymnast and dancer most of my life. I wasn't very good at it, to be honest. Um, Like it was never like my dreams, but I did it um, throughout high school. And I had a lot of injuries. I got dropped out of a cheerleading stunt. Um, Like nothing really felt good in my body um, from a really young age. Um, And I started doing all this research about, you know, like what could maybe be wrong with me or and then more importantly, what I could do, not necessarily looking for a diagnosis, but looking for alternative treatments. And yoga kept coming up again and again and again. And I was like, all right, let me try this yoga thing. And (laughs) 10, 11 years later, here we are. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, So how did Ayurveda come into play then? Was that always something on your radar or was that something recent as well? That showed up in my 200 hour teacher training. Um, they, back in 2003, um, I, I took the leap into wanting to learn more about uh, yoga as a broad topic. And we spent an afternoon talking about doshas and about um, yoga for doshas. And just talking about Ayurveda and the concept of doshas was the most mind blowing and most like making sense thing of my life. Um, It really just lit this fire of like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And I immediately started trying to understand and unravel my own health and history through that lens. Um, and it's still, it's still a mystery, right? There's no, there's no end to the story. Unfortunately, it's a lifelong journey. Um, but that afternoon session really lit me on fire. I love that. That's the same as, um, kind of my story with Ayurveda as well. I signed up Mm -hmm. to be a yoga teacher because I thought I was going to learn a ton about Ayurveda, which as you said, it is an afternoon of the 200 hour training. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I need to dive deeper into this. So I know that you did too, because we both were in the same program. So what was kind of your next step or wanting to (laughs) learn more about Ayurveda? Cause, um, you ended up studying it for many more hours. Yeah. Ayurveda was one of those, like maybe one day dreams. Um, at the time of me learning about it and studying, I was a, a full-time scientist um, working um, at UNC Chapel Hill. And I didn't even really want to be a yoga teacher at the time either, full full disclosure. Um, so it was one of those things like, oh, that sounds really cool. Maybe one day, like, you know, when I have the time, I'll do it. And then I had been studying uh, with Katie Silcox, our uh, mutual teacher, through her uh, yoga uh, teacher training program. And she announced her 300 hour Ayurveda. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Like flat out told her like multiple times, like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't have time. I'm working on my 500 hour. Um, At this point in time, I had, you know, been laid off from the sciences world and was a full-time yoga teacher. Um, 
and then truthfully like all my friends were doing it and it that's not from like a peer pressure type of way but um I knew it was going to be like a really special thing and then she also was using my photos um in her <laughs> promo materials <laughs> and it was really just one of those all right grace like if not now when like your friends, your teacher, you're in the pro, like, why not? Like, I really didn't have a good reason. So I, I signed up and, and went for it. <laughs> that is too funny. I didn't even know that. Oh, that you were the promo material. So you, I probably saw you and decided. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Just be like, all right, Grace, like you're really interested in it. Like why not? And yeah, yeah the signs were all there. <laughs> they were. I was just stubborn and admitting them. <laughs> oh. So I would, I want to know a little bit about this. So since you have, you know, you were a scientist and then we have the Ayurveda side um, and the yoga side, how does that, cause I have a client kind of in a similar situation and she loves both once she kind of learned a little bit more about Ayurveda is a science. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Can you wrap your brain around that for people who might also <laughs> be kind of in that same boat? Like, whoa, like you have this very Western scientific you know, understanding of the world, but then you've also flown into the yoga and the Ayurvedic side of things. So how do, how can people kind of put those two things together or those concepts together? Yeah, great question. Um, I like to say it's my superpower to hold uh, both truths of uh, the Eastern science world or Eastern yogic world and the Western science world. And for me, Ayurveda really is the glue, um, the secret sauce between the two of them. Um, I, when I was a scientist, I worked in the intersecting fields of nutrition, brain health and genetics. Wow. Yeah. And so the building blocks of Ayurveda, the earth, air, fire, water, ether really, uh, resonated and correlated with our A, C's, T's and G's of our DNA genetic code. Uh, the type of science that I worked in was um, I worked for UNC Chapel Hill and their kind of tagline was individualized nutrition. Mm. So we were really interested in looking at the genetic variations in individual people that allow their bodies to process nutrients differently. There was one uh, scientist working within uh, my department, uh, Dr. Martin Kohlmeyer, who was working on a program that could take people's uh, genetic information and tell them what foods their bodies are best suited for. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Which ding, ding, ding. Hello, dosha, like yes. seasonal foods, like you process things differently. They really like they mirror and go together so effortlessly um, from where I came from to where I am now. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. when I'm, when I'm hearing that, I'm like, okay, so how come now this would just be, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying not to like insult like the Western science with this question, but like, <laughs> so Ayurveda is 5,000 years old. How have they not like discovered that or decided to maybe study that more since it's kind of already, I guess, known, you know, when you look at it from an Ayurvedic lens? Yeah, that's the like the the running joke that I like to tell is like science is like finally figuring it out. You know, like we learned that there's a um, and I don't I wish I remembered the term, but there's an Ayurvedic Sanskrit term for cellular metabolism. 
And that was like discovered by Western science once we got the tools, the microscope, the small enough lens, but it was something that was already figured out. And yeah, I just think it's hilarious. Like we're discovering things that have already been in these ancient texts. It's, I think it's a really funny joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I, my first yoga teacher or Ayurvedic program that I went through was with Kate Stillman. And um, mm. when I took that I remember her, and this was when intermittent fasting was like, you know, kind of the rage, you know, five mm-hmm. or six years ago. And I remember they were, she was describing intermittent fasting, you know, Ayurvedically, mm-hmm. but not using the term intermittent fasting. Cause that's not necessarily what Ayurveda called it. And yep. so people were like, oh, so you're doing intermittent fasting. She's like, what is this? And then, you know, she <laughs> thought it was so funny. She's like, oh, the West is finally caught up. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we've been doing that for, for centuries, you know, I'm like, oh. So it's so interesting how it all kind of, you know, maybe is now getting a new lens because people who do like the science um, and do need that background um, are saying, okay, like all of the stuff that Ayurveda is saying now, you know, it's really legitimatized, legitimatized. That's not the right. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it works. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, and now they're like, okay, yes, like that is, that is truth. Um, So is there anything else that you kind of discovered that maybe um, science is now uncovering that Ayurveda has been saying for centuries. Cool. Um, that you guys study you know, at UNC. Yeah. I mean, our stuff was really just looking at the nutritional things. Um, but I do find it fascinating how much, um, like my old boss, her and I are still in contact and she's been sending me a bunch of information that the NIH has been releasing about yoga just in general lately. And it just kind of makes me laugh because it's like super basic things that I'm like, well, duh. Um, but yeah, most of the, like, there is a little bit of research about, um, dosha and genetics out there. Um, I've read a little bit, but not enough to, um, speak (laughs) more clearly on it, but yeah, there it's a new, a new science that's based on an old science, which, you know, (laughs) it's, I mean, if it's bringing it to the masses, I guess that, I mean, we'll take it. Right. Right. It's just, yeah, it's, it's cleverly disguised as something else, you know, and marketed Uh, and took apart a little bit, but yeah. 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 Um, so I want to know kind of through your studies of yoga and Ayurveda, um, what has that kind of taught you through the years? Is there any big like lessons or life lessons where you're like, yes, like I totally learned this, um, through my practices. Yeah. Um, I kind of make fun of myself a lot. Um, and, (laughs) uh, when I first started doing yoga, I was, uh, that person that did hot yoga and I needed 90 minutes each time. Um, like 60 minutes was too short for me. (laughs) Like I didn't even want to waste my time with that short amount of class. And I was doing a, uh, a set flow at the time, the Baptiste flow, where they give you the opportunity to do like 10 full wheel pose diarasana around the like 60 minute mark. If you're doing it, um, the 90 minutes and I was always doing it at 7 p.m. at night. So at 8 p.m., they're cueing me through 10 full wheel poses. And their motto is, if you can, you must. And, oh, I can do full wheel poses. And I'm doing them, you know. And then I would get home and feel awful. Like, I wouldn't be able to eat. I'd be, like, laying on my floor, still sweating, not even being able to take a shower. And then, like, not being able to sleep. I'd be up to, like, 2 or 3 a.m. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, I thought yoga was supposed to make me feel good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
and then light bulb after light bulb. And of course, you know, I'm stubborn. So it took (laughs) me being told a few times, but learning that I'm a pretty fiery person. And so me needing hot yoga, pushing myself was really just sending myself out of balance and wasn't doing myself any favors. Mm. And kind of the constant lesson I'm getting from the universe always is to slow down. (laughs) And that just goes so well with um, this idea or this theory and concept of doshas and yoga and knowing that my constitution is one way and that I've spent my entire life pushing myself out of balance. So it's taken me a while to learn what balance feels like (laughs) and knowing that it's not going to fix myself overnight. (laughs) I mean, I I could totally relate to that because I also am that nature myself and have many a times pushed myself way too hard and been just on the floor the rest of the day or major headache because it was yeah. too hard of a class. Well, it wasn't too hard, but I, I pushed him like, Oh, what's the record? Like I tried this CrossFit class, which not a great <laughs> idea for myself. Cause you know, I <laughs> yeah. try to be at the top and uh, never having done CrossFit before. So I, my one class that was, that was enough for me. I was like, yep, yeah, this is, I loved it of course, but I'm like, this is not something I should be doing. So yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, Cause I think there's so many people who can probably relate to that. We've totally been to the place where we push too hard. Um, you know, especially if you are like that Pitta dosha who just goes all in. Um, so I want to know a little bit about um, when you first started practicing, cause there could be someone listening who might be new to yoga. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you wish you would have known when you started your yoga practice about maybe what classes to attend or um, what a practice could look like? Um, anything that, any tips or advice for people who might be in that place? Yeah, I always, uh, when I teaching beginners, I start with talking about the breath before I do anything else. And it was a light bulb moment for me. I would say at least 10, maybe 15 classes in, I realized that breath mattered or that she was even talking about breath. And I came to the asana practice from a, you know, rather athletic gymnastics background. So I loved, you know, I didn't mind getting my butt kicked and feeling like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. Um, And that whole arc of the practice. But there was this moment of like, oh, like we're talking about breath. So when I teach beginners, that's where I begin Mm -hmm. right there with the breath. Before we take any movement, I teach people how to breathe. Um, I actually have lungs tattooed on my arm. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a reminder for me, um, at the time I was, uh, teaching yoga just once or twice a week and I was still having panic attacks Mm -hmm. and I was like, gosh, why don't I just remember to use my tools? It's breath. It's remembering to breathe. Like that's what I have gained the most is remembering that the breath changes everything. So yeah, don't even worry about the poses um, necessarily. Just figure out how you can breathe within these shapes. Now, when you, if someone hears that and they're like, okay, um, like breathing, like, okay, well, we're all breathing right now. Um, can you break it down into like, is there any certain style of breath work or, you know, if someone's completely brand new, what, what could that look like? Yeah, um, I was a asthmatic kid. 
So I really didn't know how to breathe. Um, I, I spent, anytime I would get sick as a kid, I would end up going to the hospital and uh, hooked up to a ventilator, wow. helping me breathe. Wow. Um, so a lot of these, I look back at my uh, first notebooks of going through teacher training and learning these, uh, more, or just any of the breathing techniques. And my initial notes were like, I didn't feel good. I couldn't find my breath. I didn't like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, So it really is a practice of learning how to consciously breathe. Because like you said, we're all breathing all the time, but how often are we noticing the breath? Um, And one of the big things that I took away is that, you know, these breathing techniques are or can be useful, but until we find some comfort and ease and awareness in them, they're just triggering our already rampant anxiety for me, my anxiety that was already there. So backing it way up and just noticing what your natural tendencies are. Like, is my inhale easier? Is my exhale easier? I found for me that taking a big inhale was really challenging in the beginning. I did not know how to receive that much of an inhale or nourishment or prana. Um, It was challenging. So just being aware of your natural tendencies before you do anything is uh, number one. Yes. And I love that you said that, you know, you did not like it when you first started. I think (laughs) because sometimes we think, okay, if we don't like it, we should just stop doing it. But with that breath work, this is one where you can just keep practicing and keep practicing and will eventually feel better. Right. Yeah. I think you got to go through like some especially as a teacher, right? Like you need to know what some of the pitfalls could be. Um, You need to know like what could be triggering. And I'm not saying you need to have a bad experience in order to be able to be a teacher, but I think it really helped me understand how to teach and cue breath and see people when they're not breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I have, um, I have studied like pre postpartum, And um, Mm. that's a big one. The first thing that we work on when I, you know, have, you know, people come back into um, working out or yoga, you know, we work on the breath. And a lot of the times that's, that's the thing they're like, this is all we're doing. I'm like, yeah, because if you think about, you know, pregnancy, your belly is expanding, there's a baby there. And then when the belly comes back in, all of a sudden you should be able to breathe deeper, but sometimes people are still just chest breathers Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. getting that full breath. So that is something that, um, you know, I've studied through the years and it makes, it does make such a difference. And I think it can often get something if we're reading, or even as people are listening, kind of thinking, okay, yeah, I breathe. I breathe all the time. Cause I know I've dismissed it in the past until, well, until I had my son and I was like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> this, this is different. I really do need to pay attention to how I'm breathing and what's going on. So, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it does take those moments where you're like, okay, I, I do, you know, if you have that anxiety or if you have like asthma or, you know, a baby, all of those things can be like mm-hmm. trigger moments where you're like, yep, I really need to hone in on this. So I like that you do that with, um, you know, your yoga practice. Cause I've been to many yoga classes where they might talk about breath, but they don't really go much mm-hmm. deeper than that, you know? So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So I want to kind of now go into yoga, um, from your dosha perspective. So this is something that I know you like to do. Um, and that's just a nice way to incorporate Ayurveda into it. So I would love to kind of go through each of the doshas and maybe just, um, share a bit about, uh, what the practice might look like, who that practice might be for, or when they might want to do that practice. So let's kind of dive into the Vata dosha first. 
Yeah. We're, we're filming this in October. So we're right in the middle of our, our Vata season. Yes. Yes. Um, and I'm in North Carolina. I know I was watching some of your, your Instagram stories and you've got some snow already. Yep. So we're, <laughs> we it's like almost, yeah, it's almost 80 outside right now in oh, <laughs> Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold space for, you know, wide ranges of Vata season. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, Vata is really like the dosha of now, like in dosha, um, first, I guess we can talk about what dosha means, right? Dosha is a Sanskrit word that can mean imbalance and also mean like category or a uh, subtype. Um, so a lot of us in this world now are always in a vata place of imbalance or dosha. And vata is the dosha of space or air. Um, when we're feeling out of balance, it can look a lot like overwhelm or anxiety. Um, and then this season of fall, it's the season of letting go. So the, the leaves on the trees are literally showing us what it looks like. Um, they're starting to dry off, dry out and fall off. Um, and then we also go through um, these uh, seasonal changes within our lives. So Vata season of our life is our, um, our season of getting older. We're uh, past the time where we need to achieve and need to go out and get things done. And maybe our careers are kind of winding down and we get to have a different experience of life. Um, so the practices are kind of the opposite of that. It's anything that can ground us slow us down and let us really just kind of observe what's happening. Um, it's a tendency to vata to overwhelm and to kind of burn out. Um, so anything that um, can slow us down and also um, be warming. Uh, so this is actually a time of year where the, the hot yoga rooms can uh, be useful. <laughs> yep. Especially right now if there's snow on the ground where you live too. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't quite be there yet, but I would enjoy a warm room for sure. Um, and as far as the poses go, I, I think a lot about um like deep stretch classes are really good for this time of year if we were to take a category or anything that's restorative. Um, lots of forward folds. Um, the classes that I record for Vata season don't have very many poses in them. Uh, and we're holding them for longer. And the best part is we get to do a long rest at the end. Uh, yoga Nidra would be a really good thing for right now too. Just any time we can uh, take a long rest and just let everything just be and settle down and settle out on its own. Yes, that's my favorite type of practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and then if, is this, for if someone's listening, they're like, so everyone should practice that type of practice right now where we're in Vata season, or is that just for the Vata dosha? Um, you know, can you help people through that if they're trying to navigate that? Yeah. Um, my favorite answer for all those questions is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are, you know, we're up in the North where you're definitely in the middle of Vata and you feel pretty okay, like everything feels kind of normal, then sure, it's great to follow the seasonal protocol. If you are, you know, I spent two months in Florida <laughs> a couple, a little bit ago. Um, and while Florida is still experiencing some of these seasonal changes, there could be some people that are even further south that may not necessarily experience this. Yeah. 
or there could be people that are, you know, in the middle of a, a snowstorm and are sitting with and feeling a lot of anger or some depression or lethargy and that these practices may not be the best for them. So it's definitely an individual assessment. Both of them um, play off one another. Um, when in doubt, if you're really unsure and you're not noticing any changes, it's good to go with the seasonal. And, you know, it depends on where you live. Yeah, there's a lot of little, well, what if factors. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. I think it's always good to do a little check-in, you know, like, how am I feeling? What, you know, put your hand on your heart, hand on your belly, take those breaths we were talking about. Like, what's my underlying emotion? And if it feels like overwhelm, anxiety, you have too much going on, then any of those Bata practices would be really good for you. I love that. And that's one of the, um, things, I don't know if it was Katie who told us this, but, um, in Ayurveda, what's one man, what's one's man's poison is another man's medicine. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the same, you know, with the, the practice for your dosha. It just, it does. It depends. Yeah. So many yeah. And what's, yeah. What's good for me today may not be good for me tomorrow. Right. Like exactly. Exactly. Cause <laughs> like, this, hopefully the snow melts here and we are back to right. like, I'm hoping, I really am hoping I don't want it to stick, but hopefully that goes away and we have a little bit more of a fall season remaining here, but you never know. So I feel you. Yeah. It's kind of wild to see the leaves changing and be like in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. A little or your winter boots. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's uh, true. So now let's dive into Pitta and what does a Pitta practice kind of look like? Yeah, um, so I'm definitely um, higher pitta dosha. So this is where I, I kind of am super aware. So pittas are, are fiery. <laughs> pittas are hotheads sometimes. Uh, a lot of pittas are type A's. Um, pittas have their schedules figured out and they know exactly what's going and we, get, uh, we can get uptight. Um, I notice my pitta flares more um, when things don't go just as I planned. If things get a little bit out of whack, I get really uncomfortable um, <laughs> and frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily get angry per, per se, but I get super frustrated and not okay when the plan doesn't go exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Yeah. So any pizza asanas I recommend are cooling asanas. Um, twists are really good for getting pizza out. Um, and when I'm thinking about pitta, I'm also working with the breath a lot. Um, I'm working with a slower exhale and with my movements, I'm giving myself time to get in there. I, I like to move a little bit in my practice that makes my body feel better, but I like to, I, I filmed a practice and I called it slow your roll. <laughs> That's what I really think about, uh, with pitta is like, I'm in this group, but I really need to like slow it down so I can enjoy the view a little bit. So while I'm still giving my pitta something to do, I'm intentionally slowing it down, um, especially in the exhale and giving a release um, for my fire, somewhere to go. <laughs> mm, yes. Slowing it down. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So now the final one is that kapha dosha. So what about kapha? Kafa makes me laugh because this is like where I don't relate to it at all. Like uh, kafa is not same, same. In, 
<laughs> any doshic like tests or whatever I've ever taken my I know my cough is there because it has to be yep. but like I just I, I kill my plants uh quite regularly <laughs> like I don't have a lot of like mothering kapha in me and that's what I think about um my favorite definition is that like m- loving mother archetype that doesn't smother Yes. that's exactly what I used to describe it I'm like it's like the warm hug from mama earth like you're just like oh so unkind yeah. and I appreciate when I get it but I am just not great at giving it yep. Yep. Uh, yeah but cough is that earthy um feeling that yeah that warm hug from your mother for sure um but where it can get out of balance is that depression and lethargy and I love the the death the whenever I say this, people like look at me like, oh my God, how do you know when kapha is out of balance, which I do relate to, it looks like laying in bed all day, watching Netflix, uh, <laughs> eating cheese and drinking wine. Like that's the best like definition of like too much kapha. And I always see people's eyes get wide. Like, how did you know? <laughs> but yeah, kaphas need to move. Like kaphas need that. Like I, my kapha playlist involves like salt and pepper and like push it <laughs> like that's what I think about when it's like kaffas need to move so kaffa flows look like a little dance party in the middle of it, <laughs> yeah, it. kaffa flows look like sun salutations um kaffa flows look like a long inhale like we're doing more they look like your more typical like vinyasa type of class um what more people associate with like a yogic flow um the other ones get a little weird and a little more woo-woo, which I appreciate too, but Kafa's flows are a little more straightforward. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. So do you have anything else for any of those three doshas um, that you want to add to those practices or practicing with your dosha in general? Like, is this something you recommend for everyone to try or um, where could people start doing that? Yeah, I think it really just comes back to that checking in with yourself and seeing how you're feeling today. And I really love bringing it back to this, uh, the simplicity of the building blocks of the earth, water, air, ether, um, cause we can all relate to this. Like, am I feeling heavy? Am I feeling stuck? Am I feeling in flow? And then, okay, the medicine is something opposite. Does yeah. that, okay, if I'm feeling stuck, then I need to move. If I'm feeling scattered, I need to be still. So just without even worrying about the doshic terms, we can bring it back to these super simple feelings and knowing that if it's something that doesn't feel good, you know, maybe I feel really good being grounded today and that's what I need, you know? Like sometimes that's okay, right? Like taking away the like um, the good and bad from any of these things and just like, how is it feeling within me today? And if it doesn't feel great, if you want to feel something different, then do the opposite, whatever that is. I'm feeling really cold. Okay, let me do something to warm me up. And just being really flexible in what that practice can look like. Mm, Yes, I love that. And that's where, that's one of the things I really like is, you know, making sure people know a little bit about all of the doshas, just because, you know, I think sometimes we get stuck in like, okay, I am a, I'm a Pitta and that's all I need to know about. Mm -hmm. But like for myself, I usually go out more in my Vata than any other dosha. Yes. Um, So I need to be well aware of my cues there and how I ground myself back down. Um, And that's why I'm like, you know, I love that you shared a little bit about all of those doshas. And if people can relate to that, you might have one you really heavily relate to, 
but it doesn't mean you're not going to go out of balance in the other two. Um, cause we've all done the Netflix glass of wine, cheese, just yeah. Yeah, took a weekend and just laid there. And sometimes that's what you need, but sometimes it can get tipped too far and we lose that motivation. So I love that you shared a little bit about all of those. Yeah. This pitta still gets depressed sometimes. And it's yeah. important to like notice when that's happening and know that the medicine can change too. Yes. Yes. So I know that you have some online um, ways that people can practice with you right now. So where can they connect with you and find you? Yeah. The best place is my website. It's a uh, graysmallsapyoga.com. My last name has two L's in it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm doing a couple zoom classes I actually just did my whole 200 hour teacher training online over the summer, which was, oh, it was such a blessing and a a pivot. And I learned so much from all that. Um, I'm doing a couple workshops coming up, looking at um, really the connection of Ayurveda, neuroscience and the mind. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Um, I've got to save the dates up. One of my goals for today is to get the all the other details up, but really diving into the neuroscience um, behind the mind and looking at the yoga sutras and manos and then how, you know, Ayurveda is really strongly connected between the two of those and looking at the resilience of the mind and the ways that we can be strong within these chaotic times and really nourish our nervous system. So yeah, I've got some cool things coming up. I'm really excited to, uh, to merge my loves and passions. I love it. Are those going to be online? Those workshops? They are, they are going to be online. Well, shoot. I am going to sign up for that one. That sounds awesome. I'm excited. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) All right. Well, now if anyone else wants to join, cause this is going to go live, um, like right away. So this will all be relevant information for you. Um, so those trainings won't be over. So definitely check out Grace's stuff if you're interested. So I have one final question for you, Grace. Um, I always like to end with a weekly challenge to the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out a weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Yeah. Just that you check in at least once a day, you know, and that's just taking a pause, taking three deep breaths, putting hand on the heart and belly and asking yourself, how am I feeling? Mm, I love that. At least once. And if you want to do that more, great. And if you like how you're feeling, stick with it. And if you don't make a change, you know, it's, it's, it's simple, but it takes that pause, that moment of like, how am I feeling? And it is a challenge to do. I forget sometimes (laughs) I have to remind myself. Yes. I, I like to have a little, uh, 2 PM check-in on my phone. So that way I know, at least I get it once my, you know, little alarm goes off and like, all right, checking in. Sounds oh, I love that. Yeah. You got to use technology to work for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause sometimes we all need that reminder. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you, Grace, for coming on yeah. and sharing your thank wisdom. You. Uh, I'm excited for your workshop. So I definitely you'll be counting to see me there. I will be there. Yay. Awesome. Uh, it was my pleasure. It was so much fun to chat with you. Yes. Thank you all and go out there and spread your peaceful power.